What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Russell Westbrook is off to Houston. It's going to be scary. Not for us. <laughs> no! James Harden just caught a body here in Los Angeles. And Westbrook is off the freeway. What's up, guys? Welcome to this news podcast. My name is Saul Monali at Saul Monali NBA on Twitter. You're joined by Forrest Walker at Do Not on Twitter. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm pretty good. Uh, just got back to Austin for my trip to Houston for the holidays. So, Yeah, visiting Houston always makes me feel better. It certainly does. But this is take two of the podcast. Take one was interrupted by this <laughs> this, this freaking fly. Uh, it's 1.30 in the morning. I, I don't want to edit the podcast that much, so we're doing a take two since we didn't record that much. Uh, and um, yeah, we're, let's, let's go ahead and get some news before we get into the rest of the podcast. Chris Clemens signed a new contract today for three years, a minimum deal that's going to be prorated for the rest of the season. Second year is non-guaranteed, and the third year is also non-guaranteed. So the Rockets left themselves a lot of assurances. I think this is you know this is a kind of a no-brainer. He was running out of two two-way days uh, with the roster, and uh, he's he's just a good three-point shooter. Nice guy to have in in your. Uh, development system. He's not going to get much playing time with Eric Gordon coming back. Like he has, there's just too many quality players in front of him, like James Harden, Russell Westbrook, uh, Austin Rivers. And when Eric Gordon comes back, there's just going to be no. Like even Ben McLemore is taking some of those minutes. Like he, there's just no uh, daylight for him in the rotation right now. But uh, as we learned with uh, Clint Capella in 2014. You can never have too many quality players at one position. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> and this was a nice player to keep. Yeah, he's definitely earned this. He he plays hard every game, and he's a gunner. Uh, and this is also about the fewest dollars you're ever going to see on a three-year contract. So uh, there's really no downside here. It's just it's it's nice to see them uh, lock up one of these guys uh, for the rest of the season and not have any kind of ongoing drama with two-way d- days. Yeah, like last year with Daniel House, that that was uh, that that was long. That was long. Uh, <laughs> Clemens is averaging twenty one points per thirty six minutes on fifty nine point four percent true shooting. That's really good. Uh, obviously, that's per thirty six minutes. So please take that with a grain of salt. Uh, he's shooting thirty nine point one percent from three point range. He he's just an absolute gunner. That's like he he's really really good at shooting. He's just like in summer league, he would just pull up every <laughs> single time he passed half court. Uh, took took really really good advantage of his opportunity uh, and earned some minutes in the regular season because of that. Uh, really proud of this kid. He's he's really good. He's 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 earned every bit of uh, of this contract and uh, any sort of success that comes his way in the future. It's great news. Yeah. Uh, some other news. Eric Gordon is on set to return before the new year is out. Uh, he, a lot of us thought he was going to return around Christmas Day. Uh, I, I had a suspicion that he might return on Christmas Day. He did not return on Christmas Day, but I suspect he will return before the new year is out. I would be surprised if he does not return uh, in 2019. 
but yeah, uh, it, that that is uh, good news for the Rockets in general. Uh, we have a lot of questions about Eric Gordon, but your thoughts before we get to them? Uh, it'll be good to see him back again. It's, I mean, if it kind of feels like it's been forever since he's been in Rockets uniform, we've almost forgotten what it's like when he's there. And, uh, I and uh, when that prompted me to look up the schedule. Uh, there are five days left of this year. But there's three games that he left so far. So I was a. Uh, it's a lot of chances for him to come back, and I am excited to see what he does now that his knee works. Yeah, yeah, he he did struggle a lot at the beginning of the season. So uh, the Rockets were cautious with them. I think the original timeline was four to six weeks, and they went all the way to the six week mark. And th- they should. I mean, he he looked really bad in the beginning of the season and uh no one knew that he had this ailment he again i the story was mike d'antoni came up to us out of practice and just told us this guy just got surgery today (laughs) (laughs) and nobody had any idea that there was anything wrong with him like he had he had a scope done uh apparently his that knee had been bothering him for about a year and a half or something like it was like some ridiculously large amount of time that no one had any idea about uh surprisingly it never leaked uh but he got that taken care of, and he will be returning soon. Should help Houston's rotation. So we are doing a mail pack today. I, I just noticed that a lot of my podcasts on my player uh, had a holiday mailbag out. So I, you know how much I love cliches. I love cliches. Like I yeah. am, I I am someone who goes with the grain if I have the option to. I I love Fast and Furious movies, and I love cliches. I I, I think. Anyone who's trying to be a contrarian and not do a holiday mailbag around this time is just being a <laughs> for the sake of being a <laughs> holiday mailbags are awesome. So, first question from Jonathan Madhouse at Jonas underscore XV. With Gordon coming back soon, what do you think the Rockets need the most? Another 3 and D player? Question mark, Jay Crowder, Morris, etc. Or do they need a more serviceable backup center? I know they have four centers in their roster, but only Compella brings it on most nights, or perhaps both. So, I tend to think that the Rockets should probably evaluate what they need after they see what Eric Gordon looks like and how the rotation looks like with him. I mean, just looking at the roster without Eric Gordon on it, it it seems pretty clear that they need a wing that can play forward positions, that they need someone uh, with some size, like, Preferably someone who's six seven or above that can defend and shoot threes and play uh, three four and five. So what you're saying is they need another PJ Tucker or yeah. as close a facsimile as possible. Yeah, uh, th- that's pretty much what I'm saying. Yeah, I think that's about right. I mean that that's more or less taking the both option that we were given, but that's a good option. You know, you, you want to have that like uh, small ball lineup center type guy that PJ Tucker can provide because you can play that player in, a, in at the center in a pinch or just when the lineup necessitates it. And you also have someone else who can spell the other guys and uh, defend out on the perimeter. So uh, I think that would be fantastic. That, that kind of forward, uh, tweener type guy would be excellent but you know they're they're in short supply so uh we got to figure out where to find one first yeah and to kind of back up what i'm saying at three four five you pretty it's pretty hard to find someone to trust on this roster outside of daniel house clint capella and pj tucker those are three guys for three positions you need three backups there right like you need someone like other than gary clark or tyson chandler that, that could that could back up that backup that could back up these guys with quality minutes, and I, I don't I'm not sure if there's anybody that I would trust 
uh, outside of their core rotation to play those kind of minutes. So that, that's why they've been playing a lot of small ball with uh, with James Harden and PJ Tucker playing some of the bigger minutes at, at some of the bigger positions. Excuse me. Yeah, the, they just need someone who who's like who can play those positions competently. Like like it's nice that they have a, a good starting lineup, but you need like a, a you need a good power yeah. forward. You need a beefy power forward. Yeah, the, and uh, when he, uh, Gordon does come back, though, uh, I think there's. I mean, we, we've seen them do it before, where uh, Russ and Eric Gordon will be the one and the two, and then you have James Harden at like the kind of the three or the four. Uh, so that that will help uh, in a kind of a in a way to like move everyone down the line a little bit. But yeah, they need they need size. They need guys with long wingspans who can defend at the perimeter and grab some rebounds. Uh, and I guess we're gonna find out soon who they can pick up. Again, like. I've said it before multiple times in this podcast. They need, they just need a strong defender. They really do. They need another strong defender that can get them to a top ten defense. Who knows how much Gordon will help their defense? I'm sure it'll help some. That you'll get someone who's a competent defender playing more minutes, and someone people who are not competent defenders playing less minutes. Like, i.e., Russell Westbrook and Ben Mclemore. Those guys will get their minutes reduced a little bit, and Gordon will take some of those. So I'm sure that'll help a little bit. I'm not sure if that's going to get them from 16th in defense to like 10. And that's kind of the jump they need to make. They need to add someone that can get them from 16 to like 10 in defense. Well, do you think that uh, this would reduce the minutes of Westbrook, Harden, and Tucker? What, with Gordon returning? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, that, like that's, that's, that's definitely one of the benefits of Gordon returning. Like, Harden's just playing way, been playing way too many minutes, and it, it's definitely going to help with the trapping. Like we know that for sure. Like teams are going to trap less with more quality shooting on the floor, and I'm not sure if guys like Ben McLemore or Austin Rivers demand the same level of respect. Actually, we know that they're not going to demand the same level of respect as shooters <laughs> uh, versus Eric Gordon. Okay. From Clutch City at Jordan versus Dream, why won't Mike D'Antoni create a so- strong second unit like Russ, Rivers, Eric Gordon, Ben McLemore, Tabo, Tyson Chandler, and Clark? For th- this is a really confusing question, by the way. Uh, I-, I don't really know what this well, is asking. I mean, there's a good reason why he's not playing Eric Gordon. That much I can put out there. And as far as like the other guys, like that's not exactly strong. Like I know McLemore is playing much better than a lot of people expected. But, I mean, you're looking at guys like Tabo, Chandler, Clark. Like these, like T- Tabo and Chandler are just too old and don't play very much. And those are guys that you play, like, in certain matchups. They're very much break in case of emergency yeah, kind of backup players. backups. Yeah, yeah. Like, the, they're guys you like to have on the roster, maybe not guys you'd like on the rotation. And uh, Rivers is strong. Russ is obviously strong. Eric Gordon is strong. Like, after that, it gets really. That, that, that's why the Rockets have been kind of shallow this year. Um, they they need some some bench depth to play those forward positions. Yeah, I mean, as far as buyout guys are concerned, Jay Crowder is an option I, that I think will pro- probably got get bought out this season. I mean, there are Marvin Williams is an option for Charlotte. Like, I think he's probably going to get bought out. Uh, th- there's there are guys to be had on the buyout market. Uh, my question is: Is there someone you know, Andre Iguodala? Obviously, there's. If he does not get traded, he will get bought out. Uh, my question is: it, Is there anyone on the buyout market that will 
like dramatically improve Houston's defensive ceiling? I mean, you know, the the obvious answer, as always, is is Iguodala would be a pretty big help, but that's that's a long shot, and we all need to uh, to accept that and more or less move on until uh, evidence points otherwise. I mean, there's some guys that that could be pretty good, right? Like, there's who knows what the Nets will do with their roster. You know, like Wilson Chandler's out there. I don't think they'll buy him out, but who knows? You you could always be surprised by guys like that. But yeah, the the guys that are out there and might get bought out are kind of out there for a reason, right? Like, these if 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 someone's making under, you know, if someone's making not a ton of money enough that the team might buy them out for. They're probably not that huge of a difference maker, and the Rockets need a difference maker, or at least they're hoping for one. So, yeah, I don't, I don't see, think there's anybody who will transform their defense, but maybe some guys who can shore it up a bit. Yeah, I guess if you really want names, like the three we just mentioned, Marvin Williams, Andre Iguodala, and Jay Crowder, those are the three most likely kind of buyout guys I could see the Rock targeting. Uh, no, no guarantee that they can get any of those guys, but the, those guys I could, would definitely would definitely help, right? Those guys would definitely help use this rotation. Let's move on to another question. Okay, from at Norman Tanaka, do we need a backup center, or is Hardenstein going to get some run? Uh, Hardenstein's probably not going to get some run uh, in terms of playoff real rotation minutes or even later in the season. I I don't see him playing much. Like he's he's another guy that I just don't think is very good. Uh, like I I I I I love Isaiah Hardenstein. He, he hustles like crazy. I I love watching him play in terms of getting offensive boards. Uh, defensively, he's kind of slow footed. Uh, doesn't have the best hands for catching law passes. Uh, offensively, he's very limited. Like he's just not very good. Uh, so uh, Tyson Chandler is pretty much all you have. Uh, PJ Tucker is going to play some backup center. Uh, so yeah, like th- that's kind of why we're talking about someone who can play three, four, and five, right? Uh, because they don't really have a backup center option. So yeah, they could use a a backup center, but if they're going to go out in the market and get someone, I would. I would prefer they target someone that's not exclusively a center. Someone who's a little bit more versatile and can play some center minutes is much more useful in a playoff setting, especially in the Western Conference. Hey, for what it's worth, though, I think Isaiah Hartenstein will get plenty of playing time and playoff burn in the G League. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Also from Norman Tanaka, what are your thoughts on the recent unverifiable trade rumors uh, on Russ, which was mentioned on Russello's podcast, just fake news. Um, so I, we got a couple of questions like this. I, I t- to be honest, I had no idea what was going on until a couple hours ago when these questions started coming in. Uh, apparently, Ryan Russello said on his podcast uh, something along the lines of Russell Westbrook possibly being available, and um, and that Maury's not necessarily faci- like facilitating this but he is listening i don't think this is true i don't think russell westbrook is available for the next six months at the very minimum unless something goes very sideways russ is going to be a rocket for the foreseeable future i'm not going to say he's going to play out his contract i'm not going to give that kind of a guarantee but i i would say he's going to play out the season and more than likely uh finish next summer with the team. I, I don't see any reason why they would trade him at this point. I know he drives a lot of people crazy. I, I, I don't think the Rockets <laughs> have gotten to that point yet. 
Yeah, that would probably cause a lot of drama uh, at the very minimum. Uh, that's that's a huge move for a guy that just got here. I'll say this, though. I mean, I'd be surprised if Daryl Morey was, like, deleting emails without reading them, right? Like, if if someone gives him a trade offer, I'm sure he'll at least do them the courtesy of hearing what the offer is before declining. So I, I, would, I would be surprised if Daryl Morey ever is just like, no, I don't want to hear it. I'm sure he'll listen to a trade offer for James Harden if he doesn't want to make one, but, but that doesn't mean he's going to do anything about it. Yeah, and, and now is a good time uh, as ever to, for me to plug uh, my NBA Newsbreakers list that I, I post it on mm-hmm. Twitter every time, every year around trade season. It, it, there, there are twelve people who really break news in the NBA. That's gospel. Like th- that, that's just the way it is. Like twelve people know ninety percent of everything there is to know about the NBA in terms of behind the scenes and and trade rumors and, and buyout stuff and like all the. All the free agency stuff you need to know, 12 people know all of that, and that's all you need. Like, g- guys like Russello, yes, they hear stuff. Like, we all, we all hear stuff. Well, like, 12 people are, like, there's only 12 people that really report stuff. And, and and I would caution you guys to venture outside of those 12 people. Because, like, you're going to hear a lot of noise. You're going to drive yourself crazy if you're listening to some some dude who's on the radio in Utah, right? Like, just giving you trade rumors right like that that that's you can't follow everything yeah uh it it is a whiff of smoke uh at best until like you said one of those big 12 uh reporters says something more substantial yep another another question asked to us several times in several different forms uh from brett jeff green question mark um no <laughs> No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> Jeff Green is is oh, not is never the answer thank to, you. <laughs> to any question you have ever, ever. And, and I, the, the, this is just like a, such. I'm so I'm so surprised this is still happening. Every so every, many teams have tried Jeff Green. The, the, this is so cyclical. It's not it's not even funny anymore or amusing. It's like it's like Jeff Green's available. Team thinks they're getting him for cheap. They they, they join the team that they think they can fix all the all of his problems. They think yeah, there's a lot of raw tools here. We can optimize him. He lands on the team and look what happens. He's available again and he's available again for cheap. Process starts all over again. Like the, the, this, there's a reason Jeff Green is always available and it always feels like it's too good to be true because it is too good to be true. He is not good. He is not a good NBA player. It's the harsh truth. There are guys in the NBA that get that get recycled like this all the time. Jeff Green's one of them. He's not good. Yeah, he's a guy who should have put it together a lot of times, but he never did. So, uh, hey, but maybe for our team it'll be different. <sighs> um, <laughs> it's from Sean Muhammad at Sean M one two one zero. How much better would the Rockets be if D'Antoni spread minutes around more, or if we had another coach? Any potentials? Um, yeah, the guys, Mike D'Antoni's really good at his job. And, and you're not going to see me contradict that at all. Like, he's just, he's really good at his job. I know the fan base has turned on him, but I'm telling you, if he were fired tomorrow, he would be the hottest free agent on the market in terms of coaches. Like, he's really good. Like, I know he hasn't won an NBA championship. I know this offense looks really simple, and it seems like anybody can do it if you had James Harden. No. No, 
The, like it, it, he's really good at getting players to buy in to fit specific roles. He's really, he's really good at forming elite offenses, and it's not easy to do that. Like especially as consistently as he's done that. Like I, I feel like I, I think there's a, a stat about him being top three in offense for like eight years out of his career, or something. Like it's ridiculous. He's just so consistently really good. He's made like three Western Conference Finals. If you're, you know how we always talk about luck going your way in the playoffs. Luck has so so consistently gone against him in in the playoffs. Like injuries, suspensions, all that have have contributed to him not making an NBA Finals. Not anything to do with his coaching. Uh, not to say that he's a perfect coach. Obviously, he he's he has he runs a really shallow rotation. He um, has his warts as a defensive practitioner, but uh, he is. Still very, very good. I would say he's still, uh, if not in the upper sh- upper echelon of NBA coaches, in that second tier. And when you're in that second tier, it's really hard to upgrade, especially when you're at the top of that second tier. Like you, if you fire him today, there's like a 70% chance, like, like probably 80% likelihood you're not going to upgrade. I feel like we have this conversation every episode. And the reality is, if you fire Mike D'Antoni, the team is going to be worse tomorrow than it was before. And yeah, especially if you that's do it all in there season. is to it. Especially if you do it in season. Yeah. The, the tides have shifted so far <laughs> against Mike D'Antoni with the fans. It is crazy how much people want him fired. It is crazy. Well, coaches, go, coaches get stale after five years, at least with the fans. Well, well, I think it's more so that he hasn't won a championship yet, right? And like the offense looks so simple that it feels like anybody could do it. No. No, like it takes a certain level of buy-in to get players to play like this. Uh, I know this from speaking to the players. Like, like they wouldn't be doing this if if Mike wasn't the person selling them on it. Like, I, I can say that with 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 pretty good authority. That that like that, that Mike D'Antoni is the reason they like playing this way. And I, again, like you, if if he were to get fired tomorrow, even in the off season, if you were to get fired tomorrow, like. The the chances that you upgrade from him are so slim. The fact that the Rockets haven't haven't extended him is a pretty big blight that we probably haven't talked about enough. But yeah, I, I, I just this is a really infuriating conversation. We, we we had this on the last podcast, and I I literally deleted twenty minutes of us talking about it. <laughs> I I cut that from the podcast. Like like last week's podcast was twenty minutes longer. And I cut it out. Forrest and I had a really animated t- conversation about this about Mike D'Antoni, and I cut out twenty minutes because it was just it was just too much. It was just too much. It was it was too preachy. It, it, it sounded kind of condescending on playback, but I don't know how else to talk about this without being condescending. Because I, I uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know how else to explain that he's really good at his job. He just is. He's really good at his job. I mean, you don't win fifty plus games this consistently. And get to the highest levels in your conference this consistently without being really good at your job. That's it. I I, I don't want I don't want to talk about it anymore. I, I I'm tired of it. I'm t- I'm tired of coming on here every week and talking about it. Okay, let's sign Jeff Green. <laughs> Do you have anything else to talk about before we end here? I think Russ is a pretty good talking point before we head out. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's let's do a requisite Russ. Yeah, um, so Russ has been very good in the month of December. Like, there's no excusing that. And then he had this game on Christmas Day 
where he he scored 30 points on 32 shots. Um, and he was really bad. He missed a ton of mid-range jumpers. He he got to the rim and, how, how many, and missed how many, a lot of layups. How many threes? How many threes did he take? Uh, I I don't know. Um, it was it was eight. It was eight. Do you want to know how many how many threes he hit? I'm gonna guess zero. Yeah, it was zero. With Russ, it is usually like this. It, it it's so. I'm sure Rockets fans aren't used to this because they're used to the consistency of Chris Paul. But with Russ, it's usually three or four awesome games in a row and then a game like this. And this is this is the Russ roller coaster. This is how it is. Um, the, the, you're going to get awesome nights where he, he's, he may not be the most efficient, but he's impacting the game in several different ways. And then you're going to get games like this. I guess a lot of people expected that he was turning the corner and that he wouldn't he suddenly wouldn't have good games anymore because he had that he he had that seven game winning streak. No, he had that seven game streak of like 59% true shooting and he was he was like scoring like 30 points per game. Um yeah, I mean he he's probably not a 59% true shooting uh, kind of guy. Uh and he's <laughs> and he's also not like a 50% true shooting kind of guy. The truth is somewhere in the middle. He hasn't gotten to that middle, and that's probably why it's so frustrating for a lot of fans. If he could get back to where he was two or three years ago in terms of efficiency, I'm sure there would be less noise about this, right? Yeah, well, like you said, uh, he turned the corner, and with Russ, there's always another corner, and you don't know when he's going to get there. It's... (sighs) It's it, it's hard to deal with, right? <laughs> you, just, you have no clue what you're going to get from game to game. That yeah, he can he can look great for a while, and you know he, he's definitely played better since getting that uh, since getting his fingers on tape. But uh, how like how many games do you think he's going to be horrible from uh, have these horrible shooting nights? What do you think? Um, he's probably going to have like twenty of these games this season. I mean, to be honest, like at least twenty. This is just the experience, man. Like this is, this is this is the way it is. This is how it was when Kevin Durant was at, at his peak in Oklahoma City. Like this is, this is how it is with Russell Westbrook. Um, and that's not to say that he's not a very good player and that he doesn't impact the game in a positive way most of the time. But some t- some of the times you're gonna get games like like that, like that. Yeah, uh, the average is pretty good, but the variance. The variance is very high. Well, here's a question for you. He's shooting 50.8% true shooting right now. Do you expect that to stay the same or do you expect that to climb? Because last season he was shooting last time last season he was shooting 50.1% true shooting and that was a career low. So do you expect him to just be that kind of player for the rest of his career or do you expect him to get back to shooting 52.4, 55.4, or some of the other true shooting percentages that he had throughout his career, or do you expect him to be just bad? Oh, man, that's a hard question. Uh, he's going to decline, so it's not probably going to get better, but the, the question really is, was last year an outlier year, or is this a trend, right? Like, is he going to get back to closer to his career average in general? I think he'll probably be a little better than that, but Weirdly, his shot selection, you know, here in Houston, he's the one of the only guys shooting mid-rangers, and also he's horrendous at catch-and-shoot threes. 
So he's being given shots that, like, he, he has the opportunity to take high percentage shots, but they're either not high percentage for him or he's taking other shots that are not high percentage. So it's, man, that's hard to say. Uh, I, I'll just go ahead and be a pessimist and guess that he's going to kind of sit here for a while. I think he'll get to like 52. I think, I think that'll be the extent of his bounce back. He's at 50.8. I think he'll get to like 52% for shooting. That, that may not be what a lot of fans were looking for when the Rockets acquired him. I think a lot of people expected him to have a bounce back season this year. But I tend to believe there has been some regression as well as some some flukish stuff that happened last season. Yeah, it is. He was weirdly bad, but he's he's a chaos. He's an he's an he's an engine of chaos, and you have to take the good with the bad when you're doing that. He is variance incarnate. Uh, all he does with this rocket team that already relies on highly variant three pointers is to make it even more volatile. So. Uh, you never know what you're going to get from that tonight, and I guess that's kind of exciting, but it's less exciting if you really need to be winning these ba- basketball games. Well, in, in fairness to Russ regarding the last game, uh, everybody on that team not named James Harden or Daniel House had no idea where the rim was at all, so uh, maybe he'll bounce back with everybody else. Yeah, we will see. We will see. Until then, subscribe to the Ranch News Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Follow me on Twitter at SoMileyNBA. Follow Forrest on Twitter at Do Not. Go check out our awesome podcast at the Blue Wire Podcast Network. And yeah, guys, good night.